0: You're in a series called Joy. Thank you for giving, by the way. We really appreciate you giving. And uh, also, could I encourage you to... Um, I'm, I'm really shameless this time of year. We spend enough money on rubbish, so I don't mind asking my friends to give too. So if you're out and about, um, I've really accosted a few of my friends here near and far to give. So don't be afraid to ask people to give this time of year. They'll go on to shops and buy the most ridiculous things, why don't you ask them to give a hamper to somebody this year that retails at £50. Pound. That's an amazing gift that they could give. So you up for that? Yeah. Cool. No shame in being generous. Absolutely no shame at all. So we're in a series called Bring Back Mary, and Michelle's giving off to me all week because I keep saying bring Mary back, and nobody knows whether well, it's bring back Mary or bring Mary back, but sure, what does it matter? Let's have a little joy in our lives, and uh, really, Christianity is a joyful you may have not have guessed it, given sometimes our demeanors and the way we go on sometimes as the church, the big C. But uh, I want to let you into a secret, if that's okay. Christianity is a joyful faith. No kidding, absolutely joyful faith. We we're a singing faith. I love that. We sing. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of it, but if you, if you read any history, Christian history at all, Josephus or uh, Stark or any of those guys, there's some well-written uh, documents of, of when Christians were under persecution in the first century church could be heard singing going to their death. Singing faith. Uh, actually, not just singing songs of sorrow and lament going to death, actually singing songs of joy. The, the, the Christian faith is a joyous faith, it's a singing faith, and we have thousands and thousands of songs that are filled with joy. Joy, because joy is the, the overwhelming theme of Christmas. Uh, it's something that we want to try and bring back into our lives, not just at Christmas, but all year round. It's a serious business of joy that C.S. Lewis talks about. That's the business that we're in, we're in the business of joy. And so it's mentioned eight times, actually fears mentioned seven times in the story of Christmas. But joy trumps it. But just one. But it's great that joy overrides everything else. It's a major theme in the biblical story of Christmas. It's a party. It's a joyous uh, occasion. And we should reflect that. And we should be... Uh, Not going after hard all the time as followers of Jesus because in this world you will have trouble so you don't have to go after hard, don't run after pain, but actually go after joy because joy is the thing that sustains us when the pain comes and when the trouble comes to us in our lives. And you will have sorrow, you will have pain. Sorry if that's a spoiler again this week for you those who are having a magnificent life, but joy uh, is the sustainer of when life gets tough and life sometimes throws difficulties, especially at this time of year. Man, there's nothing that Throws crazy the families like Christmas, right? Who's going where? Is she coming? I'm not going, right? She's not, if she's coming, she's not sitting there. You know, all that stuff. That's Michelle I'm talking about, by the way. Hmm. So uh, last week I talked about the definition of joy. Joy is different from happiness. Happiness is dependent upon our circumstances. Joy goes a little bit deeper than that. And, and last week I talked about it's how um, the, the Swiss theologian, Karl Barth, he said that joy is a defiant nevertheless. And we've met people that had a defiant nevertheless, right? People that have gone through... Chemotherapy. People that have gone through pain and death and suffering and loss. And people that have gone through tragedy and people that have gone through some horrendous circumstances. Yet there is this defiant, nevertheless. Um, well, sorry to keep banging on about India this last couple of weeks, but it's still fresh in my memory and still fresh in my lungs, by the way. Uh, but but you, we, when you go into villages, like I'm an embarrassment because I just act the candy. you know that expression? Because there is, when you go into a village in India where there's absolutely nothing, and David could remark on this, and I'm sure others that have gone to these remote villages in India, there is something incredibly joyful about them. There's this defiant nevertheless it's like when we've experienced, that when people get healed, they're laughing and they're joyous and, and you think, are you serious? And they're being sarcastic and they're being really funny with being healed. It's kind of disrespectful, isn't it? Imagine being funny about it and laughing. You just got healed. God just walked into your village. These people just have this defiant nevertheless we live in the poorest of the poor. We have no toilet system. We, we have open toilets. We have no water. Women are, are abused and uh, sometimes beyond that. And yet there's this defiant nevertheless. Joy. They have a faith that's defiant. A faith that's deeper than their circumstances. A faith that, that rises up in all situations. A, a joy that is deep in their soul that carries them through. Carries them through their story and carries them through their pain, and I can't say that enough, this morning. And then this week I read a definition by Kay Warren, who is married to to uh, Rick Warren, and she, uh, if you know her story at all, they have a mega church in Southern California, uh, very famous couple. And but uh, a few years back, their son Matthew took his life, and they experienced pain like no family should and she wrote a book called choose joy wow it's very gracious right choose joy and this was her definition of joy joy is a settled assurance that God is in control of every detail in my life it's a quiet confidence that ultimately everything will be all right and the determined choice to praise God in all things a defiant nevertheless, right? A defiant nevertheless. I, I want to talk about what steals our joy this morning, barriers to it. Because pain is inevitable, but joy is not always inevitable. We've got to choose joy. We've got to go after joy. We've got to be people that, that, that bring joy into our lives and, and seek joy. And actually, it's more than just an emotion. It's, it, it's actually found in God. It's found in the kingdom, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom, the rule and reign of Jesus Christ, the King. That's what heaven looks like when it comes to earth. When We sang that song this morning that Jesus didn't want us. And he still, by the way, doesn't take us to heaven. He's actually coming back to earth to bring his joy and his kingdom and to fill this earth and to make all things new. That's a good story right there, right? He's not taking us out of this earth to populate heaven. He's actually moving in to the neighborhood because he just wants to be with humanity. It's a true story. <laughs> just practicing my smiling. Keep practicing your smiling this morning. That's the story of Christmas, that Jesus comes to earth. That Jesus comes to earth, but there, it's not just going to happen you've got to pursue the kingdom seek first the kingdom when you seek first the kingdom you'll get joy you'll get peace and then all the other things fall into place behind it that's what the scripture talks about so there is things that also like if we could be joyful all the time wouldn't it be just elf land yeah wouldn't we all feel like elf all year round yeah but it's not the case because joy drains out of our lives we, we, we leak joy in our lives, and, and there are barriers to joy. There, there are also enemies to joy. And I guess we live in such a negative world, don't we? It was such a negative world, you know, oh, it'll never happen. Well, You've got to choose to fight for it. You've got to choose to contend for joy. Joy is the choice. Joy is the determination. Joy is the nevertheless defiant defiant nevertheless in our lives. So today I want to look at three things that steal joy and also three choices that we can make to bring joy into our lives. You up for that? So you want to get smart with this, uh, write a few things down, get your phone out, get your pen out, get your paper out because this will sustain us. This is not just a Christmas thing actually. This is an all-year-round sustainable thing that we want in our lives. We want to be people that are connected with joy. Wouldn't it be great if Christians were known for their joy? Wouldn't it be great if we were known for a joy, not what we're against? Wouldn't that, be the, wouldn't that be a great message to send out to society? In a world full of negativity and sales pitch, wouldn't it be great if we were known as the most joyful people on earth? Yeah? And isn't it just amazing that all the things that God could have said to announce His arrival, He says it's great joy for everyone everywhere. And that's what we're, we're about. So what, what leaks... How does it leak? What's, what's the barriers to our joy? What is it that, that steals our joy? The first destroyer of joy is anxiety. Again and again. We talked about it at the start of the year when we talked about living, living, in, a, living, living in peace, living with peace in an anxious world, I think the series was. And we talked about anxiety. We talked about stress. We talked about depression. And everywhere you read, I just read it again this week, the kids in the UK are, are just riddled with anxiety. Not big people, but we people that shouldn't be riddled with anxiety. They should be drawing over walls in their homes. They should be coming in dirty with their clothes torn. They should be thinking about sliding down hills and Rover biscuit tin lids and making life uh, miserable for old people who are thinking about kids that are throwing water outside their house and making it freeze. That's the sort of stuff kids should be uh, involved in, not anxiety. Not an anxiety. What, What have we done to society, adults, God's a bigger kid than us. There's a theology that'll tilt your head. We've just got serious, and God is a joyous father. He's a joyful God. Good news. Good news, joy to all people everywhere, regardless of their circumstances. The Christmas story is one of joy, not anxiety. But I've learned something that joy and fear do not live in the same room. When fear comes in, joy goes out the back door. And the opposite is true. If we're pushing after joy in our lives, the, the defiant, nevertheless, then fear has no place and no space, and anxiousness has no, no place. But I've been rereading this story. I mean, I know people slag me all the time. Oh, you only work one day a week. Yeah, you do it, don't you? You all do it. They're working Sunday this week. <laughs> It gets old, people. Try some new jokes. I'm only being funny. No, you're not. (laughs) Yes, I am. But what was I saying? Sunday, work, one day a week, fear. Oh, the story of Christmas. Thank you very much. I've got to tell it every year. Do you know how hard that is to try and tell the story of Christmas every year in a creative way? It's like Easter and Christmas, it never changes, but the story never gets old. And so I've been rereading the story of, of Christmas through the eyes of Mary and Joseph, and it's absolutely wild. It's a wild story, isn't it? I mean, if you just read it, sometimes we read it through this religious stained glass window lens, you know. It's, we, we make it all cute, and, you know, we've got all these wee segments of Christmas, but man, it was riddled it had to be riddled with stress and anxiety it has to be do you know the story Mary a young woman probably at the age of 15 years of age no youth culture in that time she's maximum tops 15 according to historians who uh, just gone through uh, even just life expectancy in those days do you know that the life expectancy was around 30 to 35 years of age I never knew that. And so when you think about it, sometimes I think we maybe need to do a little rethink. We always think about Jesus was very young when he died. Actually, now when I think about it, and uh, maybe just should go a little deeper in my research, Jesus did all of his ministry at the end of his life. Wow. So Mary, she's 15 years of age, no youth culture. She's probably going to live to 30 or 35. She has a child. She's engaged, and it's a a big deal. And then she finds out she's pregnant. And it's a virgin birth. No way. It's a virgin birth. And then she has to go and tell her fiancé. I mean, is that not stressful? For a 15-year-old girl to go through that? I mean, let's read the story with fresh perspective. It's full of anxiety here. It's full of, of stress. Everything could happen here. And so, yeah, she's engaged She's pregnant. she's not pregnant with her by her fiance. She's pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She's a single young girl in a small town. What does that mean? Well, most small towns are the same as any small town, right? There's a lot of gossip. There's a lot of scandal. And gossip and scandal always has a little attachment with it all the time, and that's the word called shame. Shame. And gossip. I mean, Dungana's not that guy, is it? No, it's not. That's stressful. So she's going to tell Joseph, which is stressful. I've never been pregnant, but I've been married to a pregnant woman. Uh, uh, and so I don't know how this would go, but I say to Michelle, like, you know, you're nine months pregnant. Do you fancy doing a wee three-day trip in a car? She's like, no. I mean, can, you, you can't legally fly even at nine months now, can you? No? So Mary goes on, get this, a back off a donkey, just a donkey, for a three-day journey. That's, is that stressful? I, mean, I could do it, probably could do it, be a little bit uncomfortable, but if you're nine months pregnant, anybody voting for that, anybody up doing it, do you think we should do a, like, a reality TV, you know, like a Bear Grylls thing, like, you know, reenacting the Christmas story and we'll get somebody who's nine months pregnant and say, hey, let's do a three day trip, this is how we're going to start this thing off, anyway, this could be the ticket for OFC next year, let's put the target at a hundred grand. And we'll get the copyrights on the story. (laughs) So close to her due date, she she does, um, there's no Uber. She's on a donkey. Uh, She's arriving at her destination to find out that there's no space, no place. I mean, you couldn't make this up. You couldn't make this up. It does not ring of Messiah triumph. People waiting for thousands and thousands of years. Story told after story. Through the, through the, the Jewish story of a Messiah coming who will, who will uphold his people. Who will make all things right. This, this revolutionary king will come someday. And here is the story. It does not fit. You arrived at your destination. There's no room. So you end up in an animal shelter. Really? And she delivers the baby. And I'm going to guess... Nothing in scripture tells me, but I think she delivers it on her own. I don't think there's a midwife there. I don't think her mother's there, from how I read it. There's no family around. A 15 year old girl on her own, three day donkey ride, virgin birth, and she gives birth on her own in an animal shelter. Are you stressed? Any wonder the common phrase when the angel shows up is, don't be afraid. It's seven times in the Christmas story, people need to share it again and again and again. Don't be afraid, don't be afraid. So here's the choice that Mary makes, and this is just a fantastic woman of faith. If you've got any heroes out there, this has to be one of your heroes of the Scripture, Mary. What a beautiful woman. What a magnificent woman. What a woman of faith. And maybe we need to honor her a little bit more again. In the sixth month of Mary's pregnancy, God sends an angel. And here's my point in this first choice. If you're destroyed by anxiety this morning, if, you're, if joy is, is being depleted because of fear and anxiousness and stress in your life, especially at this time of year, here's what Mary did. Mary was afraid and when she was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept his plan. Good, Jason. It's very good. And let me read the scripture to you in Luke 1, thirty, It says, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnant, that's as Mary's cousin, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a young virgin girl named Mary. At that time, Mary was legally engaged to be married to a man named Joseph. And so that, that, that engagement is just, it's not just a ring on a finger, it's actually a legal binding contract where you're, you're more or less married, but you're not having sex. You're not sleeping together. The descendant of King David. Suddenly an angel appeared to Mary and said, greetings, highly favored woman. Yeah, you know, I always love the favor of God, but sometimes I'm thinking, ah, uh, maybe I don't want it that much. This is, does this sound a like highly favored woman of God? Huh? You all voting for it? Highly favorite woman of God. And the Lord is with you, frightened and disturbed. I guess she was, okay, by this. Mary wondered what the angel could possibly mean. What are you talking about? Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. You've been chosen by God for his purpose. Just as a sideline, by the way. See that last little phrase, you've been chosen by God for his purpose? It just applies to all of humanity. God's got something for us all to do in this room. You don't, life, don't live life unintentionally don't live it just on a womb don't 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 just float through this life you have been chosen by God everybody in this room who sits on a seat this morning God has chosen you for purpose and he has a destiny for your life and, and okay you might not travel the world but you might have a you might just infect and 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 bring some hope to somebody that lives in the corner of your street we all have purpose. We all have meaning. We all have stuff to do. It says, the scripture says that before the beginning of creation, God had, had planned, he had preordained you for good works. So you glorify your Father in heaven. That's reality this morning. And so we're, we're a bit like Mary in a way that we've all been chosen for a purpose. We've all been given tasks to do. And so I want you to be encouraged this morning. And then the angel continued. You, first 31 to 33, you will become pregnant and have a son. And you're going to name him Jesus. Your child will be the greatest, the son of the most high God. He will sit on David's throne as king forever. And his kingdom will never end. I've got some amazing kids. Doesn't sound right, does it? Sounds like I've got kids everywhere. I have three amazing kids is what I mean to say. You know, and my kids are no ordinary kids. Your kids are ordinary. My kids are extraordinary. I mean... You know, your kids, my kids could walk at 18 months. That's good, eh? Our guys are quick learners. Scott boys, all at 18 months they could walk. Can your kids do that? They were speaking um, Latin at the time they were seven. Thank God we moved to Dungannon, because it's not what you say, that when Derry was a little village. Huh? I don't like that song. <laughs> but everybody thinks their kids wonderful, but imagine having this pressure. Imagine having this pressure, and you know, like your son is going to be the greatest, the son of the most high God. He will sit on David's throne as king forever, and his kingdom will never ever end. Then at verse thirty four, then Mary asked, How is this possible? I've never slept with a man. The angel replied, God's Holy Spirit and His creative power will overshadow you. I would just say, stop there. What does this mean? Overshadow you. So your baby will be the Holy Son of God. It will be a miracle, just as your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. For nothing is impossible with God. And so I've got another question for you as we read this story of, of Christmas. What's got you anxious? this month? Anybody anxious out there? Anybody fearful? Anybody letting joy run out the back door on you? Is it your health? Is it, is it your finances? I mean, are, are, even things like, I can understand it. I live in the real world. I've got three boys, two at university. I've got bills paid. Even stuff like OFC, when it throws itself up, is it, it can become a fear thing. I love what Matt talked about today, about not taking a hit, but actually making an impact. Making an impact. Are we anxious about our finances, work? Are we anxious about next year? Are we going to have enough work? Or if we're self-employed, I don't know. Are we anxious about our health, the reports? Are we anxious about family members? Are we anxious about a marriage situation? What are we anxious about? I don't know what your worries are about, but I do know the antidote is the same for all of us, and that is... To trust in God the Father. The antidote's the same. Through all of the centuries, through all of the generations, through, through every town and every continent and every country, the antidote is always the same. The stress levels are different for everybody. They all, they all become different factors in our lives, the stress factors. But the, the antidote is absolutely the same. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. That's not arrogance. That's actual obedience. A young 15 year old girl is making a statement, and we can all make it here this morning. I am God's servant. I'm connected to Yahweh the King, and I am willing to accept whatever he wants. I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you've said come true. And then the angel gets up and goes. Do you like it? What a story. But what a response from a young woman. What a response. It's it's not always my first response. Is it your first response? And God speaks and asks us to do things. And He speaks into our hearts and whispers in our ears through the Scripture, through the Holy Spirit, through, through a friend, through a church conversation, through whatever, through the worship at times. God speaks. He's constantly speaking. He's constantly connecting with us. He's constantly telling us things. But what is our first response? It's not always, I'm your servant. I'm willing to trust. I'm willing to do whatever you require. At some point, you have to surrender to the unknown and trust the goodness and the character of God. We begin to become that type of people, and that's not an easy journey. We could probably do a talk on this for like a full year. A full year. If we could just get the anxiousness out of our lives and the fear that drives some of us demented at times, if we could could bring joy back and bring Mary back and bring back Mary or whatever way we want to say it this morning, if we could actually do that, this world would just be a much better place, wouldn't it? Because we would have people that would just be confident in who He is and not what our circumstances are. And here's the result. Here's Mary's confession. My spirit finds its joy in God. You get it? All that she's been through. The news, the journey, the unknown, the lack at times, where just have you ever found that you you know Christians are the most ridiculous people sometimes. We're just constantly on the road to ridiculous street sometimes. We are. Some of us are walking on the road to ridiculous street. And you think that, oh, if God's in it, that there's just going to be everything. It's going to be, if God's there, it's all going to be peaceful. If God's there, everything's going to be provided. Rubbish. Sometimes you've got to show up. You think for the Messiah coming, that he would prepare the best place in town for this 15-year-old girl to have her baby, right? But he doesn't. He doesn't. And vision is not always connected to provision. Right away. Do you get it? It's faith. It's faith. I learned a new way to spell vision this last couple of weeks. From my friends in Lurgan. Emmanuel, as they call it up there. (laughs) You know, if you've been to the Emmanuel church. I love the Northern Arab people there. They know how they spell vision. They're kind of dyslexic up in Lurgan. M-O-N-E-Y. Okay, you don't like it, you don't get it. <laughs> but vision doesn't always have provision with it. You got to step up to the plate, people. You know, we think, oh, if God's in it. There'd be a piece about it. Let me. It never happens to me. I, you know, I get I get sort of jealous, envious of these people, you know. And I say, how do you know it was God? And they say, oh, it was just a piece about it. And like, I'm riddled with nerves. All the time, stepping out all the time, doing things all the time. When God speaks, I'm like, oh, no. Can we just settle down, God? She look at this, this is great, God. Isn't this wonderful? Do we have to feed people again this Christmas? Do we have to ask for more money? Do we have to do this? Do we have to go here? Do we have to keep doing the India thing? You know, can we just all love each other like a wee box of puppies at Christmas time? Could we just be a wee cheesy church we just loves each other and puts on nice music and prays for each other and we all go home would that be great i'd love it give me 12 months of that but i guarantee you you'd hate it ah oh, freak me there'd be no crack at all you'd be the most unhappy miserable people on the face of the planet that's why god loves a cheerful giver give and enjoy are connected give your life away do you know what? Some of us we think that we're we're living in, in the margins, and I th- there's too many talks about balance. Let me just say, let me just shoot from the hip this morning. The Christian life is not a balanced life. Nobody changed the world being a balanced person. I can guarantee you that. And for years I've been always preaching, you know, we need to go after a balanced life. Well, I'm changing the record. It doesn't exist. It doesn't exist. Balance doesn't exist with changing the world. Becoming a kingdom entrepreneur is not about being balanced. It's about being a risk taker. It's about living in the age. It's about giving away your resources. It's giving away your time and your talent. It's about taking risks all the time. It's about, you know what God, I'm your servant. I don't understand it, but yeah, I'm in. That's the type of people I want to be. But I want to guarantee you, there's a, that's a way to have a joyous Christian life. If your Christianity is joyless and born, shake it up a little. If I come talk to me, I'll get, you, I'll get you something to do. And you'll be happy, happy all the day long. Are we, are we good with that? I've maybe labored way too much on that. So the second thing is, the second thing that steals our joy, and we'll probably just finish off on this one, to be honest with you, is, and this is not a fun one, but I just I was reading the story of Joseph again, this is what I picked out of it. The, the stealer of joy, the second thing that steals our joy is the resentment over hurt. or are over hurt. And be honest with you, I didn't want to go down this road. I didn't want to tackle this this morning, but that's, let's just tell the story as it is. And we all, at some point, have been wounded by people, right? Intentionally, unintentionally. The world is broken. And it's full of sin and it it causes hurt and people hurt and people get hurt. And hurt people hurt people. And some of you have been offended, you've been betrayed, you've been rejected. You've gone through all kinds of mistreatment. For that I'm sorry. And resent over hurt steals your joy. Resentfulness will steal your joy. It'll ruin it. It'll deplete your joy. Joy will, will quickly vanish if you're resentful. There's all kinds of mistreatments in the world, and, and when we become resentful over, over that, what it does, it, it just it gets into our hearts and it steals our joy. Bitterness is such a heavy bag to carry. Such a heavy bag to carry. Don't do it. So what about this Christmas story then, Jason? Where are you getting this from? Well, Joseph's a good man. He's a godly man. And his fiance comes to tell him, worst news of all for any godly man, any good man who's, who's betrothed, who's, who's connected and who's committed to this relationship with integrity. He comes, she comes to him and she tells him the news that she's, she's pregnant. I mean, how do you think he feels? Read the story, guys. It's, it's not child-friendly even. I would be hurt, would you? Could I talk to the guys for a minute? <laughs> Some of us wouldn't even take time to think about it. We'd be out in the highways and the byways with a shotgun or whatever looking for somebody, wouldn't we? They'd take out her anger and her pain in. I get it. She comes to him. She tells him she's pregnant. Honestly, what do you think his emotions felt like at that moment? Right. I mean, I've been playing about with this text all week. It was... <laughs> Tilting my head a little. And then I watch a bit of Elf, and then I read the book again, and then I watch a bit of Elf, and practice smiling and all that. Betrothed, that's the legal contract. One year before you get married, you break, you join it, and, and, and if you break it, actually, the legal consequences are bad. They're bad. It's just not about a ring that you buy, and, or anything they got there. It's it's much more than that. When Joseph hears this news, he's he's brokenhearted. But I don't get the guy because he doesn't seek retaliation. When Joseph was hurt, here's the antidote to that. When Joseph was hurt, he chose to offer grace and let the pain go. Could you do it? Could you do it? Could you offer grace and let the pain go? I don't know if I could. Just being honest. Confession's good for the soul. He still has to go through the pain and the agony. What a man. Think about this. Mary is struggling with fear. I think Joseph must be struggling with anger. It's got to be creeping in there somewhere in his emotions. He's a a normal guy. He's a good guy. Mary's struggling with fear. This guy's got to be struggling with some some anger, some resentment, some bitterness. Come on, can we just allow ourselves to be real this morning and, and, and actually engage in the story of Christmas? Listen to this. This is how the birth of Jesus Christ came about His Mother Mary was legally betrothed to, to be married to Joseph, but while she was still a virgin, they did not come together. But she became pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Now, Joseph was a godly man who always did what was right, What a testimony of a guy who always did what was right. That's not me. And he did not want to shame Mary or expose her to public disgrace, and he could have. So he planned to quietly call off the wedding. Call off the wedding. Grace. He could shame her. There's no shame. He could retaliate. He's got enough legal uh, back, and he's got everything in his corner to, to launch a, a wave of retaliation and to shame this young 15-year-old girl in a small town. He could, he could talk about her and slander her and say all sorts of, uh, of things that would just be unfitting. But yet he chooses to be graceful. Who's hurt you deeply? You don't need 10 seconds to think about this one, actually. Who's popping into your head? Who's hurt you? Who's deceived you? Who's caused you to be resentful? Who who who, who's made you bitter? Who's made you hard-hearted? Who is who's got into your life? Who's got into your head? Who's living rent-free right now in your head? Because we allow it to happen all the time. Who's hurt you deeply? I want to tell you something, and this is true, 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 and it's hard for you to get, because we think if we hold on to resentment, it's it's nearly like it's a responsible thing to do, that you hold on to resentment, but it's actually the worst thing you could actually do for your heart. Actually the worst thing you could do, because I want to say that resentment has to be the most worthless emotion on the earth. It has to be the most worthless emotion on the earth. It won't change anything, and it won't make you feel better. And we think if we hold on to it, we are get an even, even, even. Don't we? Where's that, where's that thinking come from? You think if you hold on to bitterness, if you're holding on to resentment, that if if we do that, then we're still getting even. And right now, you're not getting even. Because you know what they're thinking about? They're thinking about Tesco's. They're thinking about the delivery. They're thinking about going up to Rushmere. They're thinking about getting Christmas presents. They ain't even thinking about you. You've not once become a a part of their thinking or their life. They're actually living life uh, not at all connected with your emotions. They're not thinking, oh, my gosh. David Moyer is so resentful against me. He's so bitter. How am I going to live my life with him being so bitter? They ain't even taking it on unless we think it makes us smarter. We think it helps us. It gives us ammunition. It, it, it evens things up. It does not even things up at all. It's the most out of balance, out of sort thinking that we could actually carry in our lives, this resentment. Nobody wins. And I watch far too many Christians allowing other people living rent free in their heads and their lives and their hearts when the other people have moved on. Yeah, Jason, but you don't know. I don't know. I don't know. But what I want to say to you this morning is don't give people permission to hurt you again. Because it becomes a reoccurring pattern when we hold on to resentment and bitterness. You allow the thing to replay itself again and again and again, you give it mileage. You sustain it in your heart, in your life, don't you? You actually finance it. You support it. And the thing that should be dying, the thing that we need to kill so that joy rises up again in our spirit and our hearts, is actually living and breathing and growing. And it's maximizing where it shouldn't be. Don't give people permission to hurt you again. Let it go. It won't change it. They don't deserve it. True. True, they don't deserve it. But then again, sometimes I don't deserve the grace that God's given me. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes my actions are not that healthy. Sometimes my thought life is not that great. And yet God chooses time and time again to show His grace to me and to forgive me. And I've got to find it somewhere for your sanity, for your joy. For your just being able to breathe, people, let it go. Let grace in. Let grace in and let the pain go. I think it's a word of the Lord for us. You know, you can sense it. You can smell it in a community of faith. I want to say something about Vineyard Church, Dungana. We are not the perfect church by any stretch of the imagination. But I tell you what i feel about this place it's a place of grace and it's a place of mercy and we'll never ever ever compromise on that you can come with your worst foot forward we don't want you to stay that way of course we don't want you to find freedom we want you to find the life that god's intended to live we want you to live well we want you to flourish in your relationships and your marriage and your parenting and being a friend and being an employee and being an employer we want you to have the best life that you can and the best life that you can ha- have is actually with jesus christ the one who brings hope and joy and sustains us in all circumstances. But as I say, we're not a perfect church, but what I can say about this place is that you can smell bitterness. You can smell resentful. You can pick it up in the atmosphere. And I, I'm, my gifting, my, probably my number one spiritual gift is discernment. It drives me wild and crazy at times. <laughs> but it's, a, it's, I, I, it's also a great gift to have. And I love, I love and I watch, and I'm not judging this morning when I say this. I've watched people come here bitter and angry and they're unable to stay in the place because we don't feed it. We don't bat the conversation back and forth. We don't want to be a gossip church. We don't want to be a place of bitterness and resentfulness. We want to be a place of health because healthy things grow. And we need health in our community, don't we? Well, Thank goodness God is kind. <laughs> and you know what? He doesn't keep Joseph in the dark. Let me finish with this. After saying this, an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, the baby that Mary is carrying really is from the Holy Spirit. So go ahead, and her." It's like the good ending to a brilliant movie, isn't it? And when the baby is born, name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. What a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. Jesus means the Lord is Savior. God blessed him. You know why? Because he didn't get better. Don't get better. Allow God, to bless your life this Christmas. Bless your family pour out his favor on you show you the right path to take let's stand Alan are you in here yeah come, would you come up with your guitar and tune or could you play for us could somebody play for us could we do that song could we finish up with that song let I pray for us. Can we have a prayer team come up too? Just to the left and to my right. I, I want to go after Joy this morning, if that's okay. I want to pursue it. That's the figures just in for OFC. Twenty-nine thousand (laughs) four. Not telling you the next week, guys. Let's just posture our hearts to just allow God to inflate again, for heaven to come down, and for for Jesus to show up.